reading from the book of Psalms. The earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive a blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning. It is so, so good to be with you today. It's so good to see faces, some of which we haven't seen in a long time. So for those who are joining us at home, uh, thank you for joining us. For those who are joining us here in person, again, thank you for joining us. I'm really excited to talk about this message today, a core principle or commitment of our church, the principle of biblical generosity or giving. But before we dive in, would you bow your heads with me as I share one more brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd like to begin by asking everyone here this question. How do you celebrate those you love? How do you celebrate those you love? In the life of the Sorensen household, my household, celebrating others is a big deal, especially for my wife, Carly. I know this to be true, especially this time of year, because we're not only coming off the Christmas holiday where Carly loves to celebrate the birth of Jesus and is thoughtful in her generosity towards our family, but also in January, Carly loves to celebrate the birth of our two sons. This is the month of their birthdays. In fact, beyond giving presents, Carly usually stays up late decorating our whole house with streamers and confetti and homemade posters for each child. She will then even make their favorite meal accompanied by their favorite dessert. You see, Carly, my wife, loves to celebrate others, and she is 
amazing at it. So it's only fitting that when it's time for her birthday and for Mother's Day, the kids and I, we really try to celebrate her. We will either make cards or buy cards and give her presents, and I'll try to arrange a nice meal. But thank God I have help in the celebration department in the form of a little girl named Sailor Grace. You see, without Sailor, the boys and I would be in deep trouble. Sailor not only knows my wife Carly through and through, she loves to celebrate Carly with us. And she goes to crazy lengths herself to do just that. Check this out. This is a picture. If I could get that picture up. Is it up there? There it is. This is a picture uh, of our home decorated on this last Mother's Day. Now, if you look closely at this picture, you will see a small Christmas tree that Carly, excuse me, not Carly, Sailor had actually gone into our attic to retrieve. And then you will see dozens of hearts that she had cut out and hung both on the tree and all over the first floor of our house. Mind you, this is actually what happened during a global pandemic. So Miles, the supplies were limited. Nonetheless, the result was magical, right? On almost every heart, in fact, Sailor or our boys even wrote a nice note to Carly. When I came downstairs that morning, I asked Sailor when she had done all of the decorating. And with a big smile, she told me she had been awake since 4.30 a.m., Andrew implementing her plan. I remember Sailor being so proud and brimming with joy. You see, Sailor had given Carly her best first, honoring and celebrating her mom and my bride. As we turn our attention to the topic of giving, I'm reminded of these words of Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's what Sailor had discovered in honoring Carly through her generosity. And that's what we're invited to discover in honoring God with our generosity. Yet let's be honest. Many of us often approach this topic of giving with apprehension, don't we? Perhaps because we don't understand the topic from a biblical worldview. Perhaps because we've experienced legalism regarding the topic from a past experience. Or perhaps because the topic strikes too close to an idol of our own heart. Whatever the case, my goal today is that each of us would find clarity and joy around why biblical generosity is a life-giving essential for all the followers of Jesus and why it's a core commitment of this church, One Fellowship. All right, kids, I'm gonna need your help. And those at home, I'm gonna need your help. Now, this is what I would call a big boy sermon as we're gonna cover a lot of ground today. So please strap in your imaginary seatbelt, Brandon. Come on. Everyone strap in. 
We're going to go on a great ride together. So let's get started. The big idea for us, our big takeaway is this. If God is the supreme love of our lives, we will give him our best first. If God is the supreme love of our lives, we will give him our best first. We're going to unpack this truth through three points. Point one, God gives the best to his kids. Point two, point two God, giving God our best first actually reorders our hearts. And point three, giving God our best first revolutionizes our lives, Noah. Point one, God gives the best to his kids. To begin any discussion on giving, we must first understand how much God has given to us. This is the foundation. In the creation account of Genesis 1, we read, let us make mankind in our image, God said, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, every living creature that moves on the ground. And God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, all the birds in the sky, creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath in it, I give every green plant for food. And so it was. And catch this, God saw all that he made and it was very good. Just listen to the verbs from this passage, Trinity. God made, God created, God blessed, God gave, God saw, and it was good, very good. You see, from the earliest pages of the Bible, God is seen as wildly and extravagantly generous. Do we have any dog people in here today? Raise your hands. Any dog people at home? I'm a bit of a dog person. Do you know that the pleasure you get from your dog's companionship is a gift from God? All right. Do we have any cat people joining us today? We've got, oh my gosh, We've got thumbs up, thumbs down, cat people. Okay, we're called to pray for you. No, I'm just kidding. No, seriously. Do you know the laughter you get from your cat's mischievousness is a gift from God? How about those who love the outdoors? Raise a hand. Anyone love the outdoors? Yes. Maddie, Josie, I know you love the outdoors. You know that pleasure you get when you hike surf, or sit at the mucky duck on Captiva Island watching the sunset go down. That's all a gift from God. How about any romantics? Any romantics in the room? Just nod your head. Yes, I got a little guy in the front row, a middle schooler raising his hand. I did not expect that. 
Recently, my wife and daughter have gotten into the old Meg Ryan films. You guys remember those? And they've been watching Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. You guys remember those movies? Do you know that deep warmth you feel when you share a special experience with a special someone, a spouse, or even a friend? That's a gift from God. You see, God gives the best to his kids. Even as the Israelites were being led out of their bondage in Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land, God reminded them to always remember his goodness towards them. In Deuteronomy 8, we read, The Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, deep streams gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley. Vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given to you. And be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Again, God is saying, Leslie, I give the best to my kids. I want my people to flourish. And notice God never makes empty promises. In love, he gives his people beautiful land that will sustain them in actually bountiful resources that will even advance them. And yet, did you catch the warning? Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Hmm. A similar message is shared in James chapter 1. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So as we discuss biblical generosity, the first thing we must understand is that generosity begins with God towards us. From the gift of this world to the gift of community to the gift of opportunity, Scripture says over and over again, God is extravagantly generous. And oh, I haven't even mentioned the gift of his son yet. We'll get to that. You see, God gives the best to his kids. And yet, as we see throughout Scripture, there are warnings issued. Why? Because God's kids, his people, you and me, are prone to forget the source of our blessings. And this leads me to point two. Giving God our best first reorders our hearts. Let me ask, have any of you heard of the word idle before? Especially kids, students. Have you ever heard of the word idle? And do you know what it means? In the words of John Piper, what is an idol? Well, it is the thing. It is the thing loved or the person loved more than God. 
wanted more than God, desired more than God, treasured more than God, enjoyed more than God. It's the thing we wake thinking about, worry checking about, drive dreaming about, post arguing about, obsess scrolling about. It's the thing that has our attention the most. It is the vine which wraps around our heart. In the words of Tim Keller, an idol is anything more fundamental than God to your happiness, meaning in life or identity. Now catch this. So idols are not bad things. They're really good things turned into ultimate things. So why do I ask about idols? Well, because carrying on the theme of God blessing and also warning his people, we read in Psalm 24, which Mel read today, the earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world, all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas, established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the God? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. So Scott, what's the problem? The problem is this. The Bible says none of us have clean hands or pure heart. And all of us trust in idols. In Jeremiah 17, we read, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? To this end, in Romans 1, the Apostle Paul writes that outside the intervention of God, all humans, catch this, quote, have exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than their creator. Later in chapter 3 of Romans, he would say, there's no one righteous, not even one. You see, we all struggle with idols. And according to the Bible, based on the sheer volume of verses on this topic and pointed nature of these verses, there's one idol that threatens the well-being of virtually everyone everywhere. And that's the love of and preoccupation with money, manna, wealth, in all we think or believe it will provide. Now, before you dismiss this idol as something with which you don't struggle, consider these additional comments from Dr. Keller. Quote, Jesus warns people far more often about greed than sex. You almost, yet no one, almost no one thinks they're guilty of it. Therefore, we should all begin with the working hypothesis that this could easily be a problem for me. If greed hides itself so deeply, no one should be confident that it's not a problem for them. As one writer puts it, there are more than 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer, nearly 500 verses concerning faith, but there are more than 2,000 verses on the subject of money and possessions. Jesus talked about money in 16 of his 38 parables. Clearly, from the Bible's standpoint, we need to understand money and how to handle it. This same author goes on to say, why? Because money is actually a test from God. How you handle money reveals volumes about your priorities, loyalties, and affections. 
And such is why in the earliest pages in the Bible, we see God calling his people to give them um, their best, excuse me, give him their best first. It's why God created a system called, I know you've heard of this, tithing, or giving the firstborn, the first fruits, or the first earned to reorder our hearts back to him and his priorities. Just listen to these verses. I'm going to go quick. Exodus 13, we read, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Exodus 23, verse 19, Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, we read, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will be bursting with wine. And in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, we read a tithe, which for those that don't know, it means a tenth. Of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So as we read these passages, a few things become clear. First, God wants the best for us. And the best for us comes when we recognize he's Lord over all of our lives. And this includes all of our money. Second, God calls us to tithe or give 10% of our income as a practice of honor and faith. Now catch this. Notice over and over again, Scripture calls for our last born, the last of what we have. No, over and over again, it's the first fruit the first born, the first earned. It takes little faith to give God our crumbs or leftover when we've already paid all of our bills and lived all of our lives. Yet it takes great faith in a great God to give him our best first and what we've earned as we trust him, not just with today, but with tomorrow. And third, notice over and over again, the tithe is directed to where? The house of the Lord. Throughout the, excuse me, throughout all calls of biblical generosity, this is because God calls the church, uh, excuse me, God loves the church, and the church is the primary means he uses to extend his love to our broken world. Also, this instruction to direct our tithes to the church is because he wants all of us here, all of us online, to be embedded in committed family members of a local gospel community. Doing life on life, on mission with him. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, we read in Malachi 3, that there may be food in my house, thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing till there's no more need. Giving God our best first reorders our hearts, realigning our resources with the source of all blessing, God himself and his priorities. Now, here's the third point. Will, are you still with me? Bill, Catherine, are you still with me? The third point is this. Giving God our best first revolutionizes our lives. This is the point I'm most excited about. You see, during the pandemic, I've received a number of encouraging messages from people in our church and who are just discovering our church. Some of these are six months old. Some of these are one week old. 
Just listen to this letter I received. To the pastoral staff and church at large, all of you, I wanted to write and say a heartfelt thank you from myself and my wife, Linnell. We attended one fellowship for the year we were in Charleston. From the moment we stepped in the door, we were welcomed, loved, and accepted. We have rarely seen such care for newcomers as we did at one fellowship. Everyone was kind and friendly. We are introverts by nature, but that didn't stop the love that we were overwhelmed with. We want to thank the pastoral staff for bringing godly messages from the Word on a weekly basis, and the worship team for making the worship real and directing our focus on God. I want to specifically recognize the Blowerts. They welcomed us into their home and worked to connect us, excuse me, worked to connect with us one-on-one. They truly showed us the love of Christ through the service their service and friendship. Linnell and I have both been in a church all our lives in one fellowship with a breath of fresh air for us spiritually. God is working in and through the church. We're blessed to experience that. Drew Hensley recently emailed to say he was praying for us. And that came at a very difficult time for our family. It was an incredible blessing to us. We are still able to see God's hand working in hard times. With thanks and gratitude, Caleb and Linnell. Now, I didn't get permission for this one, but this person's sitting right here in the room today. Hey, Paul and Carly, I wanted to express our deep thankfulness and appreciation for notes that Liam has been receiving from Logan with One Kids and for the Halloween treat that showed up on our doorstep from our One Kids ambassadors, Heather and Meg. I think that's Meg Jones over here. I love our church, all caps, so much, and wanted you both to be encouraged by the genuine love and support that we have felt, and I'm sure many others in our church have felt with these tokens of love. I appreciate both of you and all that you do to love and support our kids, our congregation, and our city at large. I have been part of several churches over my 21 years in Charleston, but the genuine sense of community and family that I feel here is like none other. Be encouraged, for you are surely advancing the kingdom. Have a great day, Leslie. And just one more. One more, Brandon. This is one we received last week from a student Carly and I led as youth pastors 22 years ago in Chicago. A person we haven't connected with in over 20 years. Hey Carly, I stumbled onto your guys' page last, excuse me, tonight and listened to some worship from one fellowship. Bits of sermons and some of your encouraging posts from the church. Without giving you the long story, I just... I want to say I'm encouraged. I want to tell you and Paul, thank you for loving the body and the world with hope and love and reminders of God's goodness. I'm praying huge blessings and an increase in the kingdom through your work, especially during all this COVID stuff. I will be watching online. I hope y'all are well and staying safe and joyful. Melissa. Aren't these letters and notes incredible? Here's the deal. 
They're not just to me. They're to all of us. All who call one fellowship home. There's a reason Matthew 6 is so powerful as recipients of the extravagant love of God, which climaxes in the gift of his son, where God offers us his best first in Jesus. Our actions or our response to God's actions have the ability to echo throughout eternity. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What Jesus is saying, Josh, what Jesus is saying, Colin, what Jesus is saying, Mickey, is let eternity grab your heart, mind, and imagination and let love guide your money. Give God your best first because in so doing, generation upon generation upon generation will be called, saved, healed, and sent in God's love and your lives will have an eternal, everlasting impact. You see, giving God our best first revolutionizes the very purpose we exist for why we exist We not only get to receive God's goodness, we get to advance that goodness as a church on mission with him for Charleston and beyond, all the way to the bush of Kenya. Can I get an amen? My prayer is that hundreds, actually thousands of letters would come in over the next several years gushing with gratitude over the impact this church, you guys, our community has made on lives, families, and cities around the world in the name of Jesus. Wouldn't that be incredible? And my prayer is just as we were able to give close to $100,000 to gospel-centered charities and church plants around the world in 2020 as muscle for their mission we'd be able to support and launch many more gospel-centered charities and church plants in the years ahead, providing millions for mission. Dare we dream so big. Well, it all starts here, and it all starts now in the hearts of each one of us. If God is the supreme love of our lives, we will give him our best First, in closing, may I suggest two calls to action. First, pray. And this applies to even the kids in the room. Caitlin, it applies to you. Noah, it applies to you. Pray that you would be filled with a heart full of gratitude for all God has done for you, understanding God wants the best for you, and ask God how he would move you to respond to this message today. And two, take the next step. Let me ask, what would it look like for you to take the next step in your giving journey with us, moving towards giving God your best first? Now, here are some thoughts. If you're just starting your giving journey, we invite you to just give. 
Simply think about what you can give at this time and try it out. Everyone starts somewhere. Or if you're someone who's been giving, giving but uh, not consistently, we invite you to set up a recurring plan or make a recurring plan. Maybe you aren't ready to give a full tithe, but you're ready to become more consistent in your faith walk and giving journey. For years, Carly and I tried to faithfully give, but we noticed we didn't regularly give. We didn't offer God our best first. We'd randomly give chunks of money here and we'd randomly give chunks of money there. And so setting up a recurring giving plan was a big step in our own faith journey, just to be candid. Or if you've been giving consistently but haven't been giving your full tithe, we invite you to increase your giving to reflect 10% of your income. We know this can be a big step, but we believe God honors those who honor him and walk and live according to his word. And lastly, for those of you who've been tithing but sense God calling you to do something extravagant, we invite you to listen and act according to God's prompting. We aim to build a culture of radical generosity here at One Fellowship. We invite you to consider how that may play out this year and then the years ahead with us. One opportunity for you to consider may be our one campaign, our building campaign, where we need to raise an additional $5.5 million to complete the project. In closing, I'm reminded of the saying, we make a living by what we get, yet we make a life by what we give. And I'm excited to see what that means for each of us in our church in the years ahead. Thanks for sticking with me through this sermon. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we, I, our church, we want to hear your voice. We want to honor you, not just with our lips, but with our lives. God, I just pray that you'd move in hearts and lives today. That my words wouldn't be heard, but your word would be heard and direct individuals and families towards trust and obedience in a fresh new way this year with us on mission with you. May we be satisfied as you're glorified in all we say and do in Jesus' name, amen.